We use our phones for everything at this point, and I am absolutely guilty of that. I look up recipes on my phone. I meal plan on my phone. I use my GPS, even though I know where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) But did you know that you can also use your phone for some sexy me time? Don't worry. Your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup dipsystories.com slash just break up. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like when our joy crushes others, <laughs> when our partner's ex is their favorite topic of conversation, And when we're the pessimist in the relationship. Mm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed or educated mental health providers in any way, shape or form. The only school we've been to is the School of Life. And even that hasn't taught us much. Wow. A little poetic yeah. there. I like it. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam and I are not professionals, so please take our advice as you see fit in your life because it is your life and not ours. We're just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right. This week's check-in topic is just a little bit of business. Um, mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. This upcoming Sunday, March 6th, if you're listening to this in real time, we are hosting a virtual spring break, just break up live show um, in which uh, we will be live streamed through YouTube. Um, We'll do a whole live recording of our episodes. And I wanted to give you a little bit of a picture of like what those virtual live stream event looks like. Um, If you haven't been to one yet, they're super fun. Uh, Sam and I, (laughs) we do a typical recording of an episode. um, And while this is all going on, there's a live chat uh, in Mm -hmm. YouTube that Spencer, a.k.a. Big Cats, like monitors, um, not in like a hall pass sort of way, but, you know, um, (laughs) just like chimes in on. Um, And y'all, the conversations like we really miss doing live shows, you know, we haven't done one since COVID and we love the energy of doing live shows, but there's also a special energy that happens in these virtual live shows in the chats because you all get to comment on the letters that we're reading on the advice that we're giving. Um, it's just, it's a really adorable, fun, charming way to connect to our just breakup community. And I'm really looking forward to it because we haven't done one in like months. Yeah, no, um, I'm always really jealous that Spencer gets to hang out in the chat while we have to like do the work of like answering the letters and stuff Uh, because he's always every time he's like people were so funny like like he recaps all the conversations for us and like what everyone was making jokes about and it just sounds like such a fun thing to be engaging in and um, at the end of the episode too, um, Spencer like takes people's questions from the chat and like sends them to us so that we yes. can like answer them as they come up too. So there is a little bit of like opportunity to engage with us too. Um, if you have questions or th- things you want to share with us as well. So, um, even though it's not like in person, which is, uh, also fun. It is like a cool opportunity to engage with like other folks who yes. are listeners as well as to like, you know, talk to to us and if you have like 
little questions that you want to ask us we, <laughs> we can answer them yeah right I, not like long ones right because we don't like we don't like have the kvads, but like if you're like oh what's your favorite color like we'll yeah, answer that one yeah for sure. yeah yeah uh i'm glad you talked about the the connection because when i was like creating the promo for this show um which by the way is happening on sunday march 6th at 3 p.m eastern 2 p.m central um i was thinking about like how it, i can't believe it's February already and then it's about to be March and it feels like 2022 has been like 300 years. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's been two full years, 3 years, 2 years since we had our last in-person live show at um the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn, which is just wild to yeah. think about. <laughs> yeah. We miss you all. Um podcasting is definitely like talking into the void even though we get all your loving feedback and your support. Um but we love doing these live live events because I feel like it brings our community closer together. So, you can get a ticket mm -hmm. right now which they're just $5 at justbreakuppod.com for this virtual live show happening on Sunday, March 6th at 3 p.m. Eastern. Um little insider clue that patrons there is a discount code sitting for you within <laughs> our patreon hint hint wink wink um so we hope you join us on uh this upcoming sunday and perfect segue we wanted to take a moment to talk about our patreon um and thank some of our amazing patrons so uh sam do you want to just talk quickly about our levels and then we'll thank our ten dollar supporters yeah absolutely so um for folks who don't know, Patreon is a monthly um, sort of subscription service to uh, support Sierra and I in the work that we do for this podcast. And also as a benefit, there are sort of different levels of, of access that y'all have. So if you give um, $5 a month, uh, you get our weekly bonus episode. So Sierra and I record a weekly bonus episode where we often answer a letter um, but sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we just talk about <laughs> ourselves or the things that we want to talk yeah, about. Or we like um, interview our spouses. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And then uh, for $10 a month, you get uh, your name shouted out on the podcast and you get access to a video recording of Sierra and I recording the, the weekly bonus episode as well. So if you like to watch our uh, beautiful faces um, stare at ourselves on Zoom. Um, <laughs> you can definitely, you can do that. Uh, it, it's really nice though. Spencer makes it look pretty. Yeah. Um, and then if you um, support us one time for $50 as opposed to $50 a month, uh, you can submit a letter and we will guarantee to answer it either on the podcast or privately to you, um, depending on um, what we want to do. Uh, we might be pausing that briefly because Sierra is going on maternity leave. And so we want to make we sure that we're able happening. to, yeah, we don't know when that's happening, but just know that's an option and will be an option once yes. Sierra is back in full force doing yes. the podcast. Yes. Um, with, with like a baby on my breast. Yes, absolutely. So if you want to see that baby, <laughs> that breast, yes, exactly. you can support us. <laughs> At that breast. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I am not above doing a Patreon breastfeeding episode. All right. Now that I've like definitely, I, definitely just... intrigued people <laughs> or, or, you know, the opposite of that. Um, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. So you can, as Sam was saying, you can subscribe to support us for just $5 a month. You can cancel anytime at just uh, patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. Like Sam says at the end of every episode, this literally helps us keep the lights on and the mics on um, and supports uh, the sustainability and success of our show. With that in mind, we are going to shout out some of our fantastic patrons who, who have chosen to support us at the $10 level. Thank you so much for making this episode happen. Savannah D. Thank you so much to Cassidy Stacks. Thank you, Jesse White Deer. Thank you to Scott Pizik. Thank you, Tori Seabolt. Thank you, Rachel Marie Kantner. Thank you, Darby Holman. And thank you to Megan. One thing that we didn't talk about uh, is that if you subscribe, you also get access to the back catalog of oh all God, of our yes. episodes too, um, which at this point is over 100 episodes. And if you support us on Patreon, like Sierra said, you get a discount code to the live show too. So you could subscribe for a few months, get that discount code, catch up on all you the back episodes. You subscribe once and, and get that free. Yeah, right. By discount code, I mean free. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a free ticket, friends. <laughs> it's totally comped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're really giving you ways to um, exploit our system of support, but yeah, whatever yeah. you want to do. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, no, no. I mean, your support, <laughs> literally, we just want your support in any way. So, okay. Anyway, y'all. Absolutely. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to check in on some of that business. Are you ready to get in some letters, Sam? Let's do it. All right. This first letter comes to us from bad sister, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from my sister's nightmare. Hello, all. After years of dating mishaps, a bad track record, and finally resolved to happily live it up single forever, I met and fell in love with the greatest man in the world. I'm 28 and he's 32. We are so in love, always on the same page about our goals and plans, and we know what we want. So our relationship moved kind of fast. We were expressing love for each other in a few months, living together in six, and now that we are 10 months in, we are discussing our future. It seems crazy. If I knew a friend of mine was talking about marriage after being together for a year, I'd talk some sense into them, but it feels right. Everyone we know sees it too. They joke about being at our wedding all the time. I'm finishing with my PhD in six months, and if all goes well, we will be ready to take the next step and get engaged before we move across the country together for my job in the fall, which we have discussed together and are on the same page about. We are a great match. We see it. Our friends see it. Our family see it. It's wonderful. So why am I writing to you, you might ask? Well, friends, my dear, lovely sister has been in a relationship for over seven flipping years and has been ready for marriage and starting a family for the last five Her partner will not commit, despite the pressure of his mom and our mom never missing a chance to give him a hard time about the long relationship. It will crush her, absolutely crush her, if I get engaged after less than two years with someone while she's been waiting years and years. How do I broach this with my family? How do we really do this in a few months without hurting her? I want to share this immense happiness and love with my family, but I feel so nervous to bring it up. If I'm excited about it, how do I not make her feel like I'm bragging or digging the knife in? I know she will be hurt. I would wait, but for how long? And if we really feel like it's a good time for us with the commitment of moving across the country and buying a house together, do you have any advice on how to navigate this? Thank you so much for writing, bad sister. This is a bit of a pickle, isn't it? It is. And also, you're not a bad sister. You're definitely not a bad sister. So let's call you good sister. You're just, you're just, you're just yeah, pursuing sister. your joy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and navigating the complicated and nuanced relationships that often come up when siblings are involved. Yeah. Have you ever experienced something like this without like divulging too much into your family life or even friend life? No. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. And if I have, I've been painfully unaware of it, to which I would like to apologize to anyone I've crushed by just bulldozing (laughs) over their feelings. (laughs) That's funny. Um, I think I've experienced something like this, um, but at least slightly akin to what you said. I was I was the letter writer in this situation and it was like successes in my career. that were making a loved one feel insecure, you know? And mm, sure, sure, sure. But like like you, it's not that I wasn't necessarily unaware of it, but that I was just on my own path, like living my life, pursuing these career goals. Right. And I I couldn't really put brakes on them. You know what I mean? I had like this sense of guilt, but I also like I think because I think it's also different being a career move, you know, um, I -hmm. think that this, I don't, my, my situation doesn't perfectly align with, um, the letter writers. Um, I relate to the letter writer in that, like, I feel like I've had to stifle my joy or my pride, you know, at least in work, it was not, it was more like my, my pride, um, to prevent someone suffering. And that's like a weird, that's a weird and what seems to be a noble form of caretaking, but also I'm not sure we're doing our loved ones any good by censoring ourselves yeah. around them, around the things that are difficult. Like, and I don't mean that to sound so cold hearted, but I don't mm-hmm. think I was like helping my loved one by like censoring my success. Right. 
Well, and I am curious, and you can say no to this question, but I'm curious about like also thinking about your experience with pregnancy loss too and like the ways in which other people's like joy for their pregnancy was also crushing to you and like what your experience was like on the other side of that. If you want to answer that, we don't No, I think that that was, I totally consent to answering that. And I actually think that's a way better better parallel than my work success. So thanks for that. Um, (laughs) Sure. I think that it is, yeah, let's just start by saying I think it's 100% normal and human and understandable to be hurt by other people's joy and by other people's, when other people have what you want. Like, I know that the sister in the seven-year relationship didn't write to us, but like, let's first normalize that. After my pregnancy loss, um, you know, even even when I was emotionally intellectually spiritually happy for other people it was deeply triggering to see them get what i wanted so badly easily or easier than i did or you know before i did mm-hmm. and i i think the first step for me was just to like forgive myself for having those feelings before i could process them and 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 deal with them you know and and right I think what's hard about this situation, um, letter writer, is that I'm not sure you're like this just might be triggering for your sister um, mm-hmm. in, a, in a subconscious way. You know, like she will she will be happy for you. And also um, it's it's hard to see other people get what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the the thing that I would encourage you to accept is exactly what Sierra said, that like it's very possible that this is going to hurt your sister. Um, And that doesn't mean that your joy is wrong. It doesn't mean that you um, shouldn't be happy about this, this change of circumstances and the fact that you met this person um, and are falling deeply in love with them and can see yourself with them for a long time. Um, But I think, I think again, sort of taking the idea of like, I'm a bad person because I'm making other people hurt. And instead recognizing that we are people and the our pathway through the world means that people are going to be hurt or disappointed by us. I think that's um, so beautiful. Sometimes for like, sometimes for no fault of our own, right? Like you're not, you're absolutely not doing anything wrong. It's just that your circumstances remind your sister, may remind your sister of the pain that she's currently experiencing. Well, and also like, I don't know your sister too. So like we might be making a lot of assumptions about how she's going to feel about this too, right? She might. She might not care at all. She might be like really happy for you and it isn't triggering for her. Um, just wanted to also name that too. No, I but think sorry, that's perfect. Um, I was just going to say, I think that's why the pregnancy jealousy or whatever we want to call it is such a perfect example because did I, do I want other people to experience pregnancy loss? Absolutely not. Am I wishing that on some, no. you know, like I would never in my To my biggest enemy, I would never wish that on someone. And also the hurt in me was so hurt that all I could hear in my initial response to things was like, why them and not me? Um, And I think it's just a perfect example because your sister would not wish you to be alone or would not wish you to to find pain instead of joy. Um, It's just that her hurt might be louder in the initial response to things. But as Sam says, this doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. That doesn't mean that your timeline needs to align with her timeline. Um, It doesn't even mean that you need to censor this joy. If anything, I think that there's a possibility for us to move forward with transparency and kindness um, while making space for all emotions, right? Mm-hmm. I I can, I don't know what your relationship is like with your sister, but I would suggest having a, a transparent, loving conversation with her. And, and, and I think I would be, how about this? Bringing it back to the pregnancy stuff. I, it was way easier for me to process a pregnancy announcement or pregnancy conversations. If someone came to me lovingly and said, 
I know you experienced this, so I know this is like a little bit of a sensitive topic for you. Um, but I wanted to be honest with you because I love you and I want you to know my life. We're pregnant mm-hmm. or something like that. It it was much harder for me to process when it caught me unawares. Like if the, if you announced right. this at a family gathering without giving her a personal heads up and that personal heads up like could be, I mean, I, I employed this when I announced my pregnancy to people that I know were struggling with fertility. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was intentional about the way that I approached them. Sometimes I would text them, even though that seems impersonal, but it gave them the space to like have their emotional response. Um, and I named right. that in the text message. I was like, Hey, I'm texting you. I know this seems impersonal, but I just want to make sure you don't feel like you need to respond in any way or perform in any way. I wanted you to know that I'm pregnant and I'm thinking of you and that like, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, I, I, I think that a conversation like this should definitely happen with you and your sister, um, because it makes space for both of your humanities. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can do it in the way that's your described in like a really kind way that acknowledges the reality of your different experiences and her own frustration, uh, with what's going on with her, um, with her boyfriend, but also like a couple things I'll say to that, right. She might still not respond well to it. Right. She yes. might. Right. Because like when we're frustrated, when we're in pain, we don't necessarily respond in the way that we might, if we were not in pain or not frustrated yeah. or not experiencing some of these emotions that are, that are sort of, that may be coming out sideways. So like she may not respond well to it. She may also not want to you to be the one that she sort of processes through what is going on right. with her, right? And I don't know that it's even necessarily good for you to be the one that she processes through this with. Right. Um, so just I'll say, like, we can set up what we think is the kindest way to break this news to someone, and they still might respond really poorly. Yeah. Or they might respond in a way that that is... Um, Hurtful is like too big of a word, but may respond. Some might respond out of their pain or out of their wound. That's the way to say it, because it's not even that they're responding poorly. It's that they're it's they're responding and they're hurt. You're totally right. Yep. Um, So how are you preparing yourself for remembering that um, your joy isn't the source of her pain? Right. Her pain is is her is from coming from someplace else. Your joy is maybe a reminder of that pain or maybe sort of a fan to the flame of that pain. And that doesn't mean that your joy is bad or that your joy shouldn't exist or that you are not entitled to that joy. Um, And like, that's a, that's a really complicated and nuanced sort of path to try and tread. And it is going to be, it may be challenging. Right. And it may be like, Oop, I overstepped in this direction and now I need to sort of move back into this direction um, and that's all okay, right? The goal isn't to do this perfectly. The goal is to try and do this with kindness, with recognizing the pain that your sister is experiencing because of this relationship that hasn't come into something that she wants it to come into. Um, and recognizing, giving ourselves the opportunity to make mistakes or step in the wrong place and then do something different, try something else figure out how you're going to continue to navigate this really complicated situation with a really complicated relationship. Yeah. And, and the last thing I think that was beautifully said, and I'll just add one more thing is um, the core goal of this is just to affirm all emotions. Her emotions are totally welcome. Even if they make you feel uncomfortable, like that, that, that yeah. is that is those are her emotions because she's responding to her life and her her stimulus and her pain and also your emotions your joy your gratitude your excitement the all of these emotions have a home here even if they feel conflicting for sure and you get to also have boundaries around protecting that joy too right like it sounds like you're being really sensitive to this and you're thinking a lot about it and you also get to sort of say, I want to sit in the joy and the excitement of this right now. So, you know, if your sister is lashing out or saying things to you, like you can have some boundaries around that as well. If if it's a really sort of rough situation where she's sort of acting out in a lot of different ways, right? right? Um, you don't have to, I am so appreciative that you are making intentional decisions to to try and understand her reality and experience. And you also get to have some some boundaries around 
I want to be excited about this. And so I appreciate that you are, you're not excited about this, but like, I, I'm going to be <laughs> right. Like, yeah, totally. You don't, there are certain things you can, can't say to me about this situation or in this particular way as well. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, my darling, my not bad sister, um, we're happy for you. Um, congratulations on this new love and we wish you well in the end of your PhD and your big transition. And we also um, wish you luck in this transparent and challenging conversation. We know that you can approach it with kindness and humanity. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Breakup virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right, our next letter comes from Sick and Tired, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from depleted, USA. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I'm writing to you as a girlfriend, 25, who is very much in love and also tired. My boyfriend, 31, he, him, let's call him Ben, is a wonderful partner to me. Without going into all of the crazy details about how and why our relationship is awesome, I'll spare you some and say he's freaking awesome and 100% my good true love. We are so happy to have found one another as our relationship is stable, fun, supportive, loving, the list goes on. 
10 out of 10 would recommend, but actually, no, I don't. He's mine, LOL. <laughs> he stole my heart at work by checking on me consistently during tough days, bringing me my favorite snacks and playing video games with me when we got home. Anyway, with this letter, I'm seeking some perspective, advice, and or validation, whatever you feel fit to give. My boyfriend and I were friends for about six or eight months. We met at work before we started dating. We're going on five months together. He was exactly one year post-breakup of a five to six year relationship with his ex-girlfriend. Let's call her Liz. To cut to the chase here, there has not been one day of our five months together when I haven't heard her name. She is constantly coming up as it has usually been processing how much he genuinely did not feel like himself when they were together and is happy to be feeling like himself again. Or the simple fact that she is attached to every part of his life over the past five to six years. So any story he tells about going on vacation or to a certain restaurant, bar, city, she was there and he just has to remind me. After they broke up, Ben went to therapy and spent the past year healing slash working through the ways in which that relationship was hard for him. As his friend during that time, I enjoyed watching him work towards healing and becoming his own person again. Through our romantic relationship, he has realized just how terrible Liz treated him. According to my boyfriend, I am gentle, patient, and so much more loving than any other partner he's had. He likes being with me because he feels like his gentle, loving self again. That being said, the comparisons do get old sometimes, though. I feel like it is constant. <laughs> I just want to be sick and tired. Not this person who is a measure against ex-partners and the mm. way I compare and contrast to them. I just want to be known as me, Ben's girlfriend, as she is. I feel like I cannot escape Liz and sometimes his other exes because he was a serial monogamist and there are what feels like a lot of serious exes. I feel like Liz is so present in my relationship with my boyfriend and at times, like I cannot live up to the five to six years that was their past together and all that they shared and did. Even if it wasn't enjoyable or happy, it was still life and she was there. He always reminds me that it was unhappy as if that's supposed to be a consolation Yet I don't feel any better. Mm. I talked to Ben about his name dropping of his exes, more specifically Liz, at the beginning of our relationship when the occurrence was multiple times a day. He understood and cut back, but somehow, five months later, it is still at once per day. The past few weeks, it has started to become more frequent again. I'm not sure if it was the holidays or our little vacation together, but it's happening. And it really does beat me down. I'm feeling, it's a feeling of defeat, honestly. My question is this, how do I support Ben as he continues to heal from and process this relationship in our relationship and still assert my boundaries? What kind of boundaries do you think are appropriate here? Do you think I need to be more understanding and patient that it might get better over time? What steps can be taken to approach this problem? Because I understand that it is not us against each other hmm. and maybe it isn't a problem at all. Is this completely normal? Or maybe he really isn't ready to let her go, even though he has made it clear that he has no interest in her as a person. Maybe I just need to change my perspective. Maybe this is totally normal and not a problem at all. Please help. All right, sick and tired. Thank you so much for writing. Uh, this question to me, you know, your you, your summary at the end of like, should I be more understanding? Should I have more boundaries? I it's a it's a great opportunity to remind ourselves that more empathy and understanding can ex coexist with more boundaries. Um, and mm. and I'm hoping that this example that I'm about to tell will will illuminate some of that. So I am totally guilty of being like your boyfriend. I am an external processor, number one, like time out for a second. People process things internally and people process things externally. They, they, they can process things with other people. They can process things by themselves. And I'm like a weird mix of like, I internally, no, I process externally with other people or by myself, but it's, it's almost always like out loud. <laughs> um, so that's number one. Like everybody has different processing uh, styles. I, there's, there's no like, I don't, I'm not like quoting anything there. I'm making that up, but I'm sure that's out there. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, another perspective that I want to add to this or another piece of understanding I want to add to this is People also carry relationships differently. I hear a lot in mm. this letter of you saying like, well, it just sounds like he had all of these serious relationships or I, I can't live up to these five years or because he's saying this again and again, you know, this somehow diminishes me or, or whatnot. Um, and I just want to say that I've been guilty of talking about relationships a lot in a way that made my partner feel as though 
I was not over them or that they carried more weight in my day-to-day practices than they actually did. And I'm not like, here's where the boundaries come in. Does this mean this is appropriate behavior of her boyfriend or me? No, not necessarily. Like (laughs) there has to be boundaries. And it sounds like your boyfriend, like, I don't think that my spouse could handle it if I talked about my exes every day. Like, I, I don't think that's like appropriate external processing. But I, br- mm. I, I bring those two points up about like external processing and how sometimes people t- like in the same way that we are all experiencing reality different, we all talk and carry and think about our relationships differently. And so they cannot be Mm -hmm. compared to one another. The way I think and process about my relationships is not the same as how Sam thinks about or processes his past relationships. We do it in different ways. You know, we all have different coping mechanisms and whatnot. And also this sounds like a little inappropriate. And, you know, even in my current marriage, um, when we were first together, my wife would tell me, like, I had to get used to how much you, A, processed out loud and B, would talk about your exes because it would make me insecure. That was a learning. That was a learning moment for me that it wasn't necessarily my vulnerability or my processing style wasn't bringing us closer. It was actually making my wife, who I felt awesome about, who I felt super secure in, <laughs> feel really insecure because I was like, I was working it too much outside of my brain. <laughs> does, does that all make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you're an internal and external processor, which just implies that you're always processing, which I, is true. It's from my experience of Literally you. Literally can never not think true. about something. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I think Sierra is right that there's sort of like, it's really understandable that your boyfriend is doing this and it's really understandable that you feel a certain type of way about it. And it's like sort of a a nuanced situation around like how much is an appropriate amount of, to talk about your ex, right? Like how, what is the the line there? Um, And I think that this is an opportunity for you to get really curious with yourself about where are the boundaries? Where are the places where things feel like, oh, I can sort of process through this discomfort and places where you're like, nope, this is like really, really touching a nerve. Yeah. This is really deeply harmful for me. And like figuring out what that is and then being able to communicate with your boyfriend who seems to want to listen to you and support you about like sort of where those boundaries are for you. Um, for example, right, like I think it's reasonable for him to talk about his ex when he's talking about his past life, right? When he's talking about going to this restaurant or when he's talking about going on vacation, right? Because he did those things and he did those things with that person, right? And so I don't think it's unreasonable for him to bring up the fact that that person was there or that they had that experience together. I think the things around comparing you to her, that would be sort of a hard no for me, right? That would be like a... I know you're trying to be kind here and you're trying to say that I've I've helped you heal, but that's not what I'm hearing. What I'm hearing is that you're comparing us and that makes me feel weird and I don't like it. Because right? a compliment could just be, I love how you do this, not I love right. how you're I love not how like this open person. I feel with you. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like I love how how much I feel more like myself as opposed to when I was with that hag back there, right? Like that's <laughs> He could just start with like the first part yeah, and yeah, then and like, leave it leave, there. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Process through the second part on his own um, or with his therapist, which it sounds like he is doing, which is really great. But I don't think it's reasonable for you to say never talk about her ever again. Right. And I also don't think that it's reasonable for him to be given free reign to talk about everything that passes through his head when it comes to his ex. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Right. So like working where you talked about how you are trying to see this as we are in partnership against a problem like he's not the problem and so like what how do you have those conversations that help you figure out where the boundaries for each other are yes and agreeing to those right those obviously can change as time goes on too right like I think I think that Peter hearing about my ex at the beginning of the relationship was probably really harmful but like now it might be different because like we've been together for so long that it's like I'm not he knows I'm not going anywhere yeah (laughs) you know what I mean I agree um But like, especially because you all are five months in, which is like a very sort of formative and Mm -hmm. like precarious, feels precarious part of a relationship, even though it sounds like y'all are 
really good together. Um, but I don't think this is an unreasonable thing to have a conversation about, but I think if you can approach it as here's how some of this stuff is making me feel, I'm recognizing that like those feelings don't mean that I can't like push through the discomfort of this. Like there are places where I'm willing to sort of breathe through it, but there are some places that this is so crunchy for me that I'm like having doubts about us yes. or like I'm having yeah. doubts about myself because of this conversation. Yes. And I know you don't want me to feel that way, but that's how it's making me feel. And then figuring out where are the parameters, where are the, where are the yeses and nos in this? Um, Cause I, it sounds like y'all are really strong. And my guess is, is that he's going to be receptive to this. And he probably like Sierra isn't even cognizant of how, of the thought processes he's like spurring in you yeah, by talking totally. about Liz all the time. Well, because it's like a, it's a core function in my brain of like, I'm going to process this out loud right now. I, what, you know, I in the beginning of our relationship, I was never even thinking like, I was never even thinking that it could make Willow feel insecure because I was like talking about how horrible this other person was. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. how could that possibly work? However, just like the first letter, this is a great opportunity uh, to welcome all emotions, right? Welcome the fact that your boyfriend talking about his past life with you um, and his ex and how much he learned from that, what sounds like a toxic life revealing relationship um, and the aftermath of it is him wanting you to know him. It's him wanting being mm -hmm. vulnerable with you. So we can uh, we can welcome that. And we can also welcome the fact that you being constantly compared to this person or you being not even compared because you're not being compared, I think. All the time. I think maybe in the compliments, he's using her as like a pivoting point. But like, I'm sure that sometimes when he's just like talking about the past, he's not comparing you. He's more just like exploring those revelations. But you don't need to be, it's not always healthy for folks like me and your boyfriend um, to externalize are self-revelations all the time. And that's something, that's that's what Sam was talking about. That's what I had no idea of. I had just always, mm -hmm. I'd, I'd always made it about the external instead of just validating my own revelations about my toxic past or whatnot. Um, and I think like it's it welcoming in the emotion that like, I love you and I love your growth. And I also don't always need to hear about it. I trust you. I love you. I want you to bring things to mm. me when they're important to, to, to you. Um, but I feel like your past relationship is really living present in our current relationship. Um, and I'm wondering, like Sam said, if we can talk about new way, new boundaries that we can set around all of this. For sure. And at the same time, you committing to doing some head and heart work around your own reactions to the things that he's saying too, right? Like yeah. this isn't all on your boyfriend either, right? There are some things that you can also be doing and working on. There's some discomfort you can be leaning into around maybe some of your own insecurities about his past relationships. Um, and the fact that, you know, yours is five months and his relationship with Liz was five to six years. Like, so where are places where you are holding yourself accountable to your own growth, your own discomfort and asking him to join you in some of the flexing around what does it look like to not externally process every, every time you think about your ex, yeah, <laughs> right? Like, totally. can you like bite your tongue, even though you may want to say this thing to me because you know, it's not going to be helpful and like save it for your therapy session, right? Like where are you both flexing? Cause that's what relationships are is about like finding places where we're, we're spreading the discomfort around Yeah, so yeah. that we're not we're not one of us just doing all of the flexing. Yes, I think that's beautiful. All right, my darling. Um, uh, we trust you and we love you. And we're so grateful that you wrote in. Thanks for writing. Absolutely. We love you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Our final letter comes to us from Emian Asshole, first name Emian 
asshole, whose pronouns are she, her, and they, them, who is writing to us from the pool of shame. Hello, Sam and Sierra. Thank you, as everyone says, for the podcast and for all the advice and guidance you offer. When I went through a breakup last year, I binged so many episodes and they helped me pick myself back up off the floor again. I'm writing you now from that place of not on the floor to ask you the simple question. Am I an asshole? Or I suppose more generously, am I being an asshole? Is this asshole behavior? The context for my question, as I said, I went through a huge breakup last year where I had to uproot my life, briefly move in with my parents, and then start all over in a new place. My heart was truly shattered. In the summer, I just wanted to have some fun, go on some dates, feel free and flirty again. Cut to now. Someone I started dating in the summer has basically become my partner. I adore her and we're having a great time together. We're in slightly different places in ways. She's in her early 40s. I'm in my early 30s. She hasn't had a serious relationship in about seven years. I have had two long-term relationships that fucked me up in their own ways over the last five years. We've been dating for almost six months now, and I have been avoiding putting the, quote, girlfriend label on our relationship for probably the last three of those. She's been really understanding and patient about all this. But I'm not sure she really understands how scared I am of being in another relationship with the potential of getting my heart crushed again in a few years time. On New Year's Eve, we said I love you for the first time. And it's been said a few times since then. And I do truly love her. She's thoughtful and funny and sexy. She's so smart and resilient. And we're very compatible in terms of what we want for the future and how we spend time together now. However, I do still feel like I've not let myself fall for her 100%. I'm a classic U-Haul type of lesbian, married my recent ex after we've been dating for a year, lol. And I know that there's a part of me still slamming my foot on the brakes and freaking out about being someone else's again. On the other hand, she is all in. I can really see that she's thrown herself into us being together more than she has with anyone else in seven years. Am I being an asshole? I can't explain exactly why I feel like I am, but I think it's in that disconnect between the intensity and the expectation of the relationship. My little heart has been repeatedly stomped on, so I'm looking for reasons that it's not going to work and imagining all the things she could decide to leave me because of, and she doesn't have any of that fear. She's incredibly optimistic, which is also terrifying in its own way, and can't imagine ever wanting this relationship to end. Writing that phrase down has made me realize how jaded and untrusting I feel about that kind of optimism. I just don't truly believe that anyone will stay with me. What I am truly and really asking is, am I doing a disservice to this wonderful person by not being completely all in? Is it cruel or selfish of me to continue to see her when I can't fully feel all the optimism and excitement about the future that she does? Ah, please help. Oh, I know. Thank you. Am I an asshole? Um, who's definitely not an asshole, to be clear. <laughs> like, we've just got people really dragging themselves in the letter names. <laughs> like, this, but, like this if you're episode. an asshole, we are all assholes. Like, we are one <laughs> asshole. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, thanks for writing. And I'm, I'm sorry that you're feeling so disconnected in terms of your, um, your feelings about this relationship or like your, your sense of optimism about it. Um, yeah. and that you're feeling like that's causing harm to yourself and your partner. Your, your, what I would say are reasonable doubts or, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Scareds? Uh, <laughs> phobias? Fears. Fears. That's the word. <laughs> Keep that in, Spencer. Don't you dare cut that because I'm I'm the one that's, that's always not getting the words right. Fears is the word I was looking for for sure. Um, yes, these these very reasonable, I think, doubts and fears about relationships in general. This relationship, relationships because of your experiences. Um, and I'm sorry that you've internalized that to think. I'm an asshole um, yeah. because you're not. Yeah. You're just having an, an understandable response to the things that you've been yeah. through. I'm going to pull a Sam Blackwell and say, of course, of course you're feeling this way. Mm. Yeah, I know it's a good one, right? <laughs> it is. Um, of course you're feeling afraid because you literally said that you had your heart ripped out and stomped on and you had to start your life all over. And so the physicality of your body processing this relationship is going into like 
I don't know, it's it's evolutionary lizard mode where it's like, oh my God, danger, <laughs> danger, danger. You know, and you see the optimism and you think, oh, they are not prepared for the danger. You know? <laughs> yeah, I was optimistic once and it didn't go well. So therefore, optimism yes. is stupid. <laughs> Which is a totally reasonable human response to this stimulus. Sure. Of course, you're feeling this way. And also, I think that there are ways in which we can push ourselves into the terrifying vulnerability of the unknown, the terrifying vulnerability of intimacy, and the terrifying vulnerability of the potential of being hurt, which which is everywhere, which is unavoidable. Hmm. And I'm not trying to trigger... Yeah, no matter how pessimistic we are, we can still be deeply hurt. Yeah, I'm not trying to trigger that, that pessimism more. I'm trying to, which I totally might have right there. <laughs> you know, people are like, oh, I have a fear of dying. And I'm like, you're going to die. And they're like, Ugh. That's always my response too. And they're like, that's not helpful. And I'm like, really? Because it's really helpful for me. Like, yeah. Yeah, the universe When I will can't control us. it, it's like, okay, well... Then why do I? Yeah. Why do I try to control what? it? Yeah. Um, it's liberating. <laughs> so I totally agree. But I think we're also masochistic, you know, assholes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so something that I want to point out um, lovingly and, and honestly, like I might be wrong about this, but um, I want to point out something that might help you realize that the vulnerability that you fear, you're already exercising. And you mm. are you are putting up these tiny barriers that make you feel like you're in control, like that make you feel like you're preventing yourself from that. But you're still moving forward into vulnerability. Um, I always say that perspective shifts are the most illuminating, most helpful thing for me. So here's a small perspective shift. You might not be calling her your girlfriend, but you're acting like girlfriends. You might not be using mm. that word to protect yourself but you are in a relationship with this person. Uh, you're saying, I love you. <laughs> and our brain does sure. this. Our brain creates these little barriers that we think are going to like somehow um, prevent greater suffering or to slow down this um, downward spiral into the like guaranteed pain zone. <laughs> but it's not true. You you are you're doing it. You're doing the work of being vulnerable and your brain is telling yourself, I'm protecting you. Don't worry. You don't have to be fully vulnerable because I'm protecting you. But like the protection is false. And I don't again, mm. I don't mean this in a paralyzing, terrifying way, but not calling this person your girlfriend isn't preventing you from vulnerability. You've said, I love you. you right. you're, you're, you're spending time with this person. You're seeing all the diverse, beautiful things about them and letting yourself be seen too. And also, I think it's pretty normal for there to be disparities in how people feel about relationships, especially like in the beginning. And I don't know, maybe at some point in my relationship in the future that will happen again. But um, the idea of like, wow, this person's like really all in and I'm like in, but not like as in as they are is, does that mean that there's something wrong? Um, and that doesn't actually mean that doesn't actually mean that there's something wrong. It can just be a sort of noticing of the fact that you are approaching this relationship in different ways because you are having different relationships even as you're in the same one yeah. because of uh your girlfriends sorry i shouldn't say that word uh because of <laughs> your uh the this person that you're dating's experience around the things that that she has gone through um and the experiences that she's had of being single for this period of time and your experiences of being in relationships and being hurt and all of this like you're both having different relationships in this moment. So it makes sense to me that there's going to be some differences between how those relationships show up for you two. Um, and I think noticing that that difference is happening is great because you can sort of name it, but saying that it's an indication that something's wrong or that you're an asshole or that you're there too optimistic doesn't necessarily have to happen. It can just be a difference in your experiences of this relationship. So like you're not an asshole for for not being as all in as she is. And she's not like a plucky eyed optimist, like person who yeah, is going to get hurt all the time. Right. Right. That's the word I was looking for. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'm crushing it. This being, episode. <laughs> yeah, you really are. By being really deeply into this relationship. So um, but I as somebody who also is like slow to warm up to people, I recognize 
this feeling of being like, oh, this person's really into this and I'm like kind of into it. Um, and I like don't want them to like come over very often, but I really <laughs> like them um, is also something that I think that I relate to. And it has led to healthy and successful relationships, even mm-hmm. as I've had my doubts or even as I've had my my questions about the relationship and the other person was like deeply into it. Yeah. Um, and that's because it's OK that that's happening. I'm just the type of person who's going to ask a lot of questions and be a little bit like, mm, is this for real? Whereas other people are going to inherently be more optimistic or more excited or more open to the possibility of things or being hurt. Um, Like, it's just my disposition. It's just my experiences. And so I think that might be what's happening here, too. So I don't want you to, like, read into it something that isn't necessarily there, because I think that this is a very normal situation that you're in. Yeah. And I'm going to add one more, like, of course. Um, you know, we get a lot of letters about people who like come out of abusive relationships or come out of really toxic breakups and they have a hard time acclimating to a secure relationship or a stable relationship. Mm. And you, you self-described yourself as a U-Haul type of lesbian where you have historically been all in and that all in behavior has hurt you. Right. So of course, of Mm. course we're adapting to a different relationship dynamic. Of course, our you know, you have changed your approach to what does it feel like to be all in? Maybe this is your new all in, right? Maybe your new all in is like you taking your time and feeling more in touch with your boundaries, et cetera. Um, Mm -hmm. Are you an asshole? No. Do you have a responsibility to assess your authentic desire to be in a relationship or not? Um, Yeah. Like you have, you have, I think, I mean, I don't I wouldn't say like a moral obligation that feels like a little too. <laughs> um, but you, big. you should owe yourself the courtesy, right? Like it's yes. it's not necessarily for this person that you're dating, but it can also be for you too yes. to say, like, do I actually want to be in a relationship? Yes. And Sam and I, I think, are both leaning towards, um, you know, you. I think Sam and I ultimately want people to lean into vulnerability, right? <laughs> and we want people yep. to be happy and and go towards that happiness. And I think we're both taking some assumption leaps here and saying that you do really like this person and you are interested in a relationship with them. You're just scared and traumatized from your past. Um, so forgive us if that is wrong. Um, and keep in mind that like you like Sam said for yourself um you can do the work to say like do I want a partnership um period do I want a partnership with this person do I want to be alone for a couple years like you know you should do that mental labor and also what I'm most interested in in this letter is the idea that there are ways that you believe that there are ways that you can prevent yourself from hurting in the future. And let me tell Mm -hmm. you, even as somebody who is happily married, um, I have to go into this marriage every day knowing that it will end one day, (laughs) you know, like that, that it could be taken from me either by a freak accident or life circumstances. And I don't mean that in a pessimistic way. I actually mean that in a in a beautifully optimistic way that I'm going to move forward into this vulnerability, into this partnership, um, optimistically knowing that one day an accident, death, disease, life could, could take this happiness from me. Or divorce. Yeah. That's what what (laughs) I'm saying in life. I didn't want to. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Well, and a great example of this is um, when, Willow and I first started dating, she was all in. She was all in, which I kind of needed because of like our past history. Um, But it also was really intimidating because I was trying to be like the level headed 30 something year old who like did not want to get my shit rocked again. And Mm -hmm. Willow would talk about marriage and she would call she called me out once and was like you don't like using the word forever and i was like fuck no i don't like using the word forever that sounds so fucking intimidating and unrealistic like i'm over here being like a realist you know um and she's like that's fine but i'm gonna move through the relationship like it's not it wasn't worth it for her not that she's over romanticizing the idea of forever but that it it wasn't worth it for her to move forward hesitantly. She wanted to move forward, mm. you know, and that that was her processing. 
you know. Mm-hmm. And then for me, it took me a while to ease into that trust, to ease into that space of vulnerability where I could say, yes, I want to pursue these things with you in, in spite of all the ways in which this could hurt me. Um, and that was mm-hmm. my processing and my timeline of things. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, a great example. And it, it gives a, a model for what it can look like for folks to be moving at different paces yeah. in relationship or like, you know, and and it worked, right? And it's so far it's been really good. <laughs> so yeah. again, your your not girlfriend can move in this relationship differently than you're moving in, in it, as long as you're both sort of thinking about and committing to at least talking about or being in this partnership right. together in some way, right? Like somebody can be more all in than the other person and that can still lead to a relationship that is healthy and functioning and working for both of the people in it. So right. again, it may be that you don't want to be with this person, right? I'm not in your body. I don't know. But I'm in, I, the assumptions that I'm making based on what you've said to us is that you really, really like this person, that you want to be with them. You just are like a little bit thrown yeah, off by the you're pace. You're questioning the hesitation. The, absolutely. And I want to say that that hesitancy is normal. Like it it makes a lot of sense to me because of the big breakup that you went through. Yeah. So, so don't throw this all out just because you're feeling a little weird about it because like things are always weird and they're always going to be weird <laughs> and we're never a hundred percent. I actually, that's, I should say I'm never a hundred percent. There may be people who walk through this world who are like a hundred percent all the time. I can't believe that, but wow. Um, <laughs> what must that be like as opposed to like, always waffling you know who are um, you know who is 100 all the time golden retrievers <laughs> yeah i was gonna say donald trump <laughs> wow wow different ends of the sea we're always processing things in different ways perfect perfect example <laughs> perfect example absolutely i like put like a literal like animal angel <laughs> okay yeah and i put like the worst human yep <laughs> all right my darling we hope that this helps. We hope that you feel a little bit more empowered in this discomfort that you're feeling in this new space, in this new mode of processing. Um, and uh, I hope you let a little bit of that love in. I mean, that's just me Absolutely. making some assumptions. We love you. <laughs> Absolutely. As we do. We love you. Thank you for writing. <laughs> All right. This brings us to the blind date segment of the episode. Every show, we like to shout out something that we love that we want to set you up with. And this week, we are sending you home with... A board game. Ooh. Uh, yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Throwing, I don't think we've ever done a board no, game before. Secret JBU insider knowledge. Sam and I are huge game nerds. Yes. Uh, we love games and we love card games. Yes. I'm a um, game aficionado surrounded by people who don't love games. Um, and so I'm always like on a constant hunt. Yeah. The, the time that uh, Sierra and I went on vacation together and played Settlers of Catan was like, so excited for me because I was no. like, no one will play this game with me. <laughs> First of all, obsessed with settlers, and also that's the weekend that you taught me how to play cribbage, which changed yes. my life. Oh, great! Yeah, love it. Um, okay, so this game is called Wingspan. It is a um, a game in which you basically like create an environment for yourself of all different types of birds, um, which are based on real birds from North America. So like, I believe every bird species is represented by a card (laughs) in the game. And you have like a little, you have a little um, board, like you, everyone plays on separate boards and you basically just like play cards in order to create like a, a, an environment for birds. Um, And then there are all sorts of different ways that you can win points there are eggs, there's food. Um, it sounds really complicated, but the gameplay itself is actually really simple. And it is really deeply um, not stressful, <laughs> like which is really good about it, right? Like, because there are a lot of games that, you know, you might play where you're sort of like in active competition and like thwarting people and like that kind of stuff. But because it's like sort of self-contained, you're really only basically paying attention to your own stuff. Um, which makes it like the the reviews for it are like this is the most relaxing strategy game in that people have ever played because it is so like focused on just like building birds, right? You're not right. like murdering people. There's like no warfare. You're just like playing these beautifully painted and decorated bird cards. Um, 
It is also, the game was designed by a woman. All of the art and illustration um, has been done by women. The cards themselves are beautiful. Um, It's like just a really like aesthetically beautiful game as well. So it like there's, it's a joy to play it because it is so peaceful and, um, and just like pleasant to look at. Cute, cute, cute. Yeah. And we um, have been playing it with all sorts of different people. So like different groups and folks who are sort of like hesitant around games um, who have, if not loved it, at least like liked it enough to feel like we <laughs> I play this again, which yeah. is like, uh, yeah, right. Like all I need to for that. Um, so can't recommend it enough. We've been like, it's been like a House of Wings fan over here, that just like so trying cute. to convert people to our cause. Um, but yeah, check it out. It's called Wingspan. You can get it wherever games are sold. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship meme, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise and get your ticket to the March 6th. It's a Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern. We've got a virtual live show, virtual spring break live show. I know y'all probably aren't on spring break, but Sam and I got to pretend that we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, you can get your tickets uh, for that show at JustBreakUpPod.com. Please remember to follow, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts, and consider supporting us on Patreon. Like we said at the beginning of the episode, if you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his music and his podcast, Finding Quantum Quest. And remember, being vulnerable takes courage. It takes bravery, especially for those who have been taught that their vulnerability will not be met with care. But being vulnerable... Asking for what you need, sharing your fears, sharing your emotions, making space for yourself to move freely without feeling like you need to protect yourself is how we are truly known by one another. Allowing folks to truly see us. Lean in. It's scary, but it's worth it. And if all else fails. Just break up.